Hey, welcome back. I'm Jeffrey Masters, and this is LGBTQ&A from The Advocate. Today, I'm talking to Gigi Gorgeous. Gigi is one of the OG YouTubers, and she has a new book out called He Said, She Said, Lessons, Stories, and Mistakes from My Transgender Journey. We talk a lot about how much YouTube has changed since she started. That was in 2008, before being a YouTuber was even a career we knew people could have. And then I personally love what a great sense of humor Gigi has about all the times she's come out over the years. First it was gay, this was before she came out as trans, then she came out as trans, and then most recently she came out as a lesbian. So we talk about what a surprise it was for her to start falling in love with a woman. Now, if you enjoy this interview as much as I did and you want to hear from Gigi in person, she's going on book tour. You can check out all those dates at ggorgeousbook.com. All right, let's get to the interview. Without further ado, here's Gigi. You know, reading your book, I was kind of struck that you started posting videos to YouTube before being a YouTuber was a thing. That word yeah. didn't exist yet. Yeah. And so, like, what made you initially start to post videos and keep posting them? I mean, honestly, truthfully, it was my best friend, Mark, who made me um, realize the platform. And he was like, okay, so this is a thing that I feel you could succeed at. And he showed me a few people on the platform, and I was kind of gagged. I was like, okay, they're doing makeup, they're recording themselves, they're editing themselves. Like, how does this work? And um, Because filming and recording yourself was a lot harder back then, it, right? No? I mean, essentially, it was a lot weirder, is what it was. Okay. It wasn't definitely, it definitely wasn't, like, harder. I feel like it was just more, like not the norm like everyone thought that it was maybe like a little bit weird everyone was like oh so you record and post yourself oh where there's like a nonchalance to it now yeah everyone's like okay so are you a narcissist like what's going on i'm like okay well it's just an interest it's just fun but um yeah long ago long 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 ago like maybe 10 11 years ago um it was not a thing and my best i had literally owe it all to my best friend. That's wild. Because looking at your trajectory, let's say, if someone wanted to replicate it, that would be impossible today, just because the industry was so new back then. Yeah. And I think a lot has changed, too. YouTube really has grown. It's a lot more personal now. As uh, personally speaking, it's a lot more deep. Like, I share a lot more things than I ever really thought that I would uh, with friends, let alone millions of people. And it really started surface level for me, beauty, fashion, just lifestyle, whatever. And then it really kind of happened where I was like, oh, my God, okay. So I'm talking about my real feelings. I'm talking about, like, what I'm really going through. And then it kind of just built from there. And I think a lot of people feel the same way with their channel. Like, they really feel like they can tell their supporters and their subscribers anything and everything. And that's kind of the beauty of it nowadays. But back then, it was just very surface level. Do you think that your viewers also demand that personal storytelling aspect, too? Um, I think so. I definitely think that they do um, kind of expect that, like, personal persona, if you will. Um, but I think... It's also something that I've set for me, myself, um, just for, you know, my mental state, for, um, you know, my well-being to, like, kind of, like, draw that line in the sand and just say that I'm going to share whatever I want 
when I want, whenever it's comfortable for me, because I think when I, whenever it's pressured or whenever I feel a little bit uncomfortable about it, it's not going to come off as organic or true. And I never want to come off as like forceful. It's just something that, you know, needs to like flow fluidly. Are you able to say what that line in the sand is for you? You know what? It's a very, very fluid line. Well, so I see that. Well, and I asked the question because you post videos that shock me. You you posted about going to a sperm bank and giving a donation. <laughs> you know what? And that's something that I never, ever thought I would talk about. Really? It, it, as well as my um, sexual reassignment surgery. Yeah. I really never thought that I would ever utter those words. I really never. I was like, that is something that is off limits. But now being in love with the love of my life, I'm just like, okay. This is what I'm going through, and it's it's becoming too much because it's on my mind so much, so I need to share that. And that's kind of how I've always gauged my content, by just being like, okay, it's on my mind so much. If I don't speak about it, it's I'm being fake because I'm not really being myself. Yeah. Was your fiancé apprehensive ever that dating you would kind of put your relationship together on public display? I'm not sure. I feel like I feel like she knew what she was getting herself into, but there's a respect level for us there. Um, and I think that she just knows I'm outrageous sometimes. She gets that sometimes I say things or do things that's like silly or, or whack to her. But at the end of the day, it's like there's a message and there's a bigger picture. And I think that um, she just gets it. And she's very supportive. So... You know, if she if she doesn't like something that I do, she lets me know. And otherwise, she just lets me know that she loves it and, I, like, you know, lets me know that she loves me. And I'm just like, okay, killing it. That sounds very healthy. It's, yeah, it's like all you really need, you know? Yeah. Just like a very, very supportive partner that just wants to see you do what you want to do instead of being like, okay, maybe not that. You had only dated or predominantly had dated men before Nats, your fiancé? Yes. Were you surprised when you started falling in love with a woman? I was. I was. This was something that was so hard for me to talk about because it was such a change. And I had always talked about being in love with men and always wanting to be with a man and all of that stuff. But when it started happening, it was literally very, very, very similar to me telling my friends that I was transgender. I was like, okay, who do I tell about this? Because this is a gag. This is a little bit of a, a little juicy scoop and it's it's real. So it's not like I'm just trying to get a reaction. Like I literally had to be like, okay, who do I tell? Who do I trust? So just like me coming out as transgender, I was like, okay, I'm taking hormones. I am I'm transgender. And they would have a certain reaction, whatever. It was the same thing with this. I was like, okay, I'm falling in love with this woman and it is real. And I just want you to know first. And then it kind of just like the waterfall just kind of like exploded. Like the dam just like went ham after that because I can't keep my mouth shut for very long about things. So I love I, that you have a sense of humor about all the times you've had to come out. <laughs> I know it's silly. I feel like I've been desensitized to it because everyone's like, oh, you're the queen of coming out. I'm like, OK, I guess. But I feel like I'm just the queen of like just being authentic. Can I ask a question about 
you came out as a lesbian. That yes. was your last coming out. And I, like, I feel, I don't know how to like phrase this, but like you were dating men. Now you're dating a woman. I guess like my assumption would have been that Gigi is coming out as bisexual. Right. Like, are you not, are you still attracted to men? You know, I feel like it was something, this is something I talk about a lot actually, because I feel like nowadays people, like humans are so quick to not put a label on themselves and I've always been that kind of person where I feel like it is mandatory for me to put a label on myself. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's my generation. It's something about me that just is like, okay, this is how I identify. This is my label. And this is what I want to go by. So no, I'm not attracted to men anymore. I don't think that I ever really was. It's a profound thing because I think it was more of a validation thing for me being with a man being like that makes me feel like more of a woman if that makes sense it's kind of this like deep weird thing but when I fell in love with Nats I, I just felt this is right and I am a lesbian I am attracted to women and it's something I never really thought about before that's fascinating it's 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 very deep and I'm just like okay wait when is it right to talk about and I just thought about it for so, so long. And I thought, now is the right time and I'm just going to come out 100% and just make a mark in the sand just like how I did when I was transgender. Just, it makes it permanent and it really just lets everyone know. And after all these feelings are built up, it's just like, you've got to get it out and just fucking put it down on a YouTube video and just move on. This is like simplistic, but how do you feel about the term lipstick lesbian? Like, do you take that on or is that? (laughs) I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I'm definitely, I guess, a token lipstick lesbian. Yeah, it's kind of outdated. I've never (laughs) ever. I mean, I honestly I'm so new still to lesbian culture. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm here for it. A hundred percent. It's like like a vintage, like a throwback. Yeah, a little bit, right? Outdated is probably the right word, but I feel like. I mean, I'm always going to love makeup. And I feel like, you know, being a lesbian doesn't make you any more or less glam. No. You know? Yeah. It's just like a style. And and you write about your father and, and your father and your documentary even. He has yes. this unconditional love for you. And it's so beautiful to see, but it also makes me so angry that that stands out as being special. You know, to, to see a parent having unconditional love for their trans kid. Mm -hmm. We don't have a lot of examples of that. You know, and I feel like it's not even really a trans thing or an LGBTQ thing. I honestly feel like it's just a parental thing because I know a lot of my friends are like, oh, I don't want to be a doctor. And my my, my parents are making me, you know, go to medical school or whatever. And they're not loving them for the journey that they want to take. So for me to be like, I want to, you know, transition and go down this weird ass path. My dad was just literally the beacon of light and it's changed a lot of people's lives because I read these messages every single day, basically. And And um, they mention your father. Absolutely. Yeah. The documentary, I literally joke with my dad that he's the star of the documentary and he loves it. (laughs) So did he take a while to get to that place or has he always been like that? It definitely took him a while. It was never really just like as quick as it looked or seemed. I think the documentary made it seem a lot uh, more seamless. But I have this saying, get into it or get lost. And he 
he decided to get into it. He's not going to get lost. You know, he's my dad. So he really just decided to get on board with what I was doing and really loved me unconditionally. And I literally hear messages every single day. I read them. I hear them. I see them. And he is like an inspiration for people, not even in the community, but just, you know, outside of the community being like, wow, your dad really loves you and really like accepts you. And for me, like how I live every day is with the kind of mentality that you're never, ever guaranteed tomorrow. Like losing my mom when I was 19, it was kind of like this eye-opening experience. And I sometimes have to even remind myself to be like, don't take this moment for granted. Or if you're feeling down, bitch, get up. You are living and breathing and experiencing life. You've worked your ass off to get here. And you just wake up every single day with a clear mind and basically just have fun and be positive because, I mean, God knows what can happen, you know? Yeah. Was that hard to revisit your mom's death in your book? And there was a lot of hard things, but that was probably one of the most um, difficult ones. Um, I recorded the audiobook soon after I uh, finished it, and that was the chapter where I had to take the most breaks because I was crying. It's very hard for me to read. It's very real. Reading it back, it's just like it brings me back. And for a long time, like, I had never really had, like, a a loss in my life, family-wise or even friends. And I feel like reading it back and writing it was like, wow, I really went through the stages of of, of gr- grief, denial, all of that stuff. And it's, it's hard to read it. I'm sure. You, you made an interesting point in the book that most YouTubers actually are introverted because you're just alone in a room with a camera. Oh, definitely. That makes so much sense. I just haven't thought of that before. Do you still consider yourself an introvert, though? I never really consider myself an introvert. Oh, okay. Yeah. I feel like a lot of YouTubers, from my experience, whenever I meet them, they're just not how they are online. So I'm like, oh, what's going on? But it makes sense because it's a camera. It's you. It's uh, You're alone. And I think I was just never that person. I think sometimes I can be, but for the most part, I love being around my friends. I love always surrounding myself with company. A lot of YouTubers just put energy into their camera and their videos, which is fine. But when it comes to real life, they just don't know really how to interact. I see that so often. Yeah. They know I have a personality looking at the camera, but in person, they, like, can't form conversation. Yeah, and I feel like that's not even, like, for YouTube. I think that that's just, like, the entertainment industry. I think a lot of actresses and actors and people that are in, like, you know... Even, like, Twitter personalities. Like, I meet some of my favorite people on Twitter, and I'm like, oh, wow, like... Where are these sassy quotes? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But they can't carry on a conversation. Right. Yeah. Some people just can't... I, I mean, they just don't like to do real life. But I worry that they never get... I worry that they never practice real life. They never, like, practice having conversations in person. Right. And so they're not going to be good at it for their entire lives. Whereas we were growing up, we didn't have a choice. And so we had uncomfortable conversations, and then we learn for next time. Yeah. I feel And it's okay. I mean, I feel like the generation now maybe never even has to have an awkward conversation. They're going to stay home all day. Yeah. (laughs) And that's a life choice. Like, that's fine, you know? Like, I respect it. I love it. But that's just not for me. I'm a people person. I love being in the room with, like, people and just, like, living life. Yeah. Going back to YouTube, though, do you still care about the number of views on a video? 
It depends. I love a good number of views, but I think like what I'm about more now is really doing things that I never thought that I would be able to do. In like, life or on YouTube? Just in general. Oh, okay. In general. Because YouTube brought me to do this book, you know? And that's not on YouTube per se, but it definitely brought me there. And doing my documentary on YouTube, um, going on this book tour, meeting a lot of my amazing friends I've, you know, got to meet through YouTube. And just, like, all that stuff is really, 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 like, I I hold that so close to my heart. But it depends. If it's If it's a fun video, I usually just, like throw it up. Yeah. Like, it's just like a whatever. And I just like to, I like to keep everything like super light. Like, if I feel like doing it, I will do it. Do you ever go back and watch old videos? I do. My friends bring them up a lot. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. And then I watch it back and I'm like, wow, I was such a shameless bitch. Yeah. Like, I love it. I love that. I mean, I love it. Like, I'm like so proud of my teenage self. It, yeah. I mean, it is so <laughs> wild, too, that you have all this footage. I love that I do because there's so many things that I forget. And it's like one of those things where it's like, oh, my God, I did that. Oh, my God. And I completely forget. But it's there online forever. That shit is priceless. Yeah. You know, it's nice to look back and be impressed with yourself, too. Yeah. I, I literally look back and I'm like, damn, I was very confident. And where did this come from? Yeah. I think it was just delusion. I wonder if <laughs> I wonder if that's going to be like this newer generation will have all this documented footage of themselves. Because I don't have anything like that. I wonder. Right. Video is different than photos. It is. And Video like, is everything. And I have a journal, let's say. But uh-huh. I don't, I can't see my mannerisms. I can't see how I like look another person in the eye. Right. Like it's like, what did I wear? That was my favorite t-shirt. How did I do my makeup? Yeah, I'm sure you're looking at old outfits, too, that you wore thinking, like, that was my favorite T-shirt, and, like, it's horrible. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> always. Always. I respect my old self, though. Especially my previous gender. I'm like, okay, that was you. Uh-huh. Get it. Get it, bitch. Wow. You were doing a lot of makeup videos, and you were, like, expressing your gender in ways that you were figuring out as a teenager. Yep. Do you think that your mom, like, suspected you were trans? I mean, I can hope so but i will never know because i never i never identified as trans before um she passed away yeah publicly i definitely thought it in my head but i don't know it wasn't really a topic that we talked about so i think she i mean she definitely knew i was different but it wasn't something that she and i really talked about because we kind of had it figured out like it was one of those things where it was like okay yeah like you are you and I see you online and you act like this all the time. But there was something more. I definitely believe that like those who pass are with you. And that's something I find a lot of peace in. We were talking about labels earlier. When did you find the label transgender? I met this girl who I talk about a lot in the book. I think Betty in the book. Betty. Great. Yes. And she basically told me I was transgender. And it was something that I never really knew about I just saw it on like you know Jerry Springer and stuff like that being like transgender and when I saw her she's transgender I was like oh my god like I am totally you and it was this thing it was like this aha moment and she taught me a lot of what I know now and I don't know if I would even have transitioned if it wasn't for her that is really confronting for someone to tell you that 
hey, listen, you are trans. You know what? She went through it and she saw that in me. And I do that with people nowadays. Really? Yes. I'm literally like, wait, is there something more here? Are you trans? It's like a joke, but it's also not because I'm down to help. But I think that's kind of where I get it from. Do they always take it well? Yeah, because I kind of say it in like a fun way. Like, oh, are you trans? Is there something else here? Should you try hormones for a month? Like something like that. But the way she went about it was very, very forceful. And it was what I needed to hear. I was like, oh, my God, there is something else here. Like, why have I never thought of this? So you like knew internally that like this is who I am, but you didn't have language for that yet. Yes. I'd never really seen someone like in 3D person that I could really relate to. Wow. And it was a moment for me. And it was it's a huge moment in the book because it changed my life forever. Wow. And now people grow up and they can see Gigi Gorgeous on YouTube. So many people say that you are how they got to know about being trans and you are their I first exposure that. to trans people. Does that formulate or recalculate how you present online uh, though or like the vid- types of videos you make? Um... Maybe on, like, an off day, but for the most part, I literally just like to stick to being me. I love comments like that. People saying, like, wow, like, I found out that what this whole community was because of your videos, and I watched you forever, and, you know, my friend is going through it, and I know how to talk to him or her or them because of what you went through. And I'm like, ugh, this is why I fucking do this. This is, like... Like, it's just the cherry on top of the cake, and it will never get old. Yeah. You've talked in your videos about wanting to have a family eventually. Yes. Do you think that you will, like, have your kids on your channel? Oh, my God. Well, we have to get there first. We have to birth them. Um, But I do think... I do think I will share them, but, like, kind of, like, maybe in the Kardashian way of sharing them. Like, not too much, but just enough. Yeah. Because it's, like, their aden- identity, too, you know? Yeah. And there's, like, a version where, like, they grow up and they're like, I'm a star! Or they grow up and they're like, Mom, why does everyone know who I am? Right. I know. I mean, I have no idea what my kids are going to be like. I feel like I might get, like, the worst karma ever because I was such a brat as a kid. So we'll see. But, um... I know Nats was kind of a brat, too, so we'll see what kind of kids we end up with. Oh, my God. You're in trouble. <laughs> I'm probably. We're almost out of time, but for YouTube, there are no rules for when you can post a video or not post a video or for how long a channel lasts. Mm-hmm. Do you think that you'll be posting videos forever? I want to say forever, but who knows? You know, I, I love documenting. I love filming. It's brought me so much positivity in my life, career-wise, and just you know, self-gratification. Having these videos forever is priceless to me. So I think I will be doing it forever, but who knows if YouTube is going to be around forever. It might shut down in the next year or two. There might be a huge scandal. Who knows? But I I definitely want to um, keep going as long as I can. All right, big thanks to Gigi for this. Again, her book is called He Said, She Said, Lessons, Stories, and Mistakes from My Transgender Journey. And if you like the interview, please help us spread the word on social media. I'm on Twitter at JeffMasters1. Come tag me. Thank you so much to everyone who's done that. And then don't forget that we've partnered with Luminary, a brand new podcast app on the new season of this show. We're also doing a new podcast with The Advocate with them, hosted by Zach Stafford. That's called The 10. I'm also producing that. So lots of really cool things to come. 
If you want to check them out, go do that before April 22nd. That way you're entered to win some super cool launch prizes. So the link for that is luminary.link slash LGBTQA. And then Gigi does a lot of work with GLAAD, and I want you to know that they're currently leading the progressive movement to fight for an amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Why is this? Well, GLAAD wants to amend the Constitution to provide explicit protection for queer and trans people, for women, for communities of color, and for those with disabilities. If you want to join the growing movement or just learn more, you can go to glad.org/constitution. All right, that's it for today. I'm Jeffrey Masters, and I'll see you next week.